So we are on this little series and it's kind of, if you like, it's part two of the church vision stuff from a year ago and it's just trying to dig a bit deeper into that, thinking about communities and how we are together as a church family. And uh, as part of that whole conversation, I and a number of others have got slightly annoyed with this little word. Uh, The word is services because you come to a service and, and that is your Christian input for an hour or in this case an hour and a bit on a Sunday and uh, it's kind of got a whole load of other connotations which are unhelpful and sort of duty bound. So uh, we're thinking about, you know, maybe talking about what we do on a Sunday as communities or community as communities rather than services. Uh, and the idea is that we are, and this is what I talked about last week, that we are communities of Christ. We are following in the way of Jesus Christ. We're being really clear that that's who we are. Um, and I outlined for you um, last week five communities at All Saints that meet at different times through uh, the day and the week and the, the desire for salt especially to be right at the heart of what we're doing. That's our kind of once a month uh, I can't even, I have to say the word service because we haven't changed the word yet. It's our once a month service or community and we want that thing to be growing and for it to be happening every single week. In order for, I'm going really fast at the start by the way, I'm going to slow down in a minute. Um, In order for some of this stuff to happen, we're going to need to put in some kind of additional sort of structures and teams so that maybe we have a uh, a kind of community leader, we have someone looking after welcome at each community, looking after pastoral care and also worship. So uh, Pippa Page is going to be looking after worship at the sanctuary service and developing and growing that. And uh, we want to kind of build those teams over the coming months. But also it means that there is a whole bunch of things. This is all the practical stuff at the front, so I'm talking really fast. Uh, uh, There's a whole bunch of stuff that go across all those communities like staff and finances uh, and the buildings that we have that are community resources like the centre and the hub and, of course, um, websites, but also things like this, access, which is happening this Wednesday, uh, starts again. Access, if you haven't picked it up already, is like uh, alpha broken down into tiny bite-sized chunks, okay? So it's a great way to get into the community at All Saints, but it's also a great way to grow in faith. And basically what we do is, who is Jesus, what's he done, and what are you going to do about it, on repeat until you've got it, with 21 different Bible studies. Uh, So come to that this Wednesday evening. Um, The other thing about vision stuff is that sometimes the vision stuff is big and quite scary, maybe, sometimes. So I talked about last year about this idea of being a growing church, even though the culture was actually, in the UK, was one of church decline in terms of Christian faith. And I said, well, look, what if we could be a church of 750 people? Actually, that wasn't the higher number. Uh, you know, there's some bigger numbers that we could throw around together. But for argument's sake, what, what if, what if, what if it was 750 people? Why is that a good number? Not because it's a word from the Lord, but what it does is it says, you know what? I can't do that by myself. And neither can you. And it's the same with the Rock Project. You know, the, the number for the Rock Project is, is quite a lot. I mean, if you've got a spare three million pounds, by the way, uh, if you could just come and just talk to me afterwards, because I'd love to have all of it. Uh, it would be great. Um, you know, I'll leave you with a bit, but... Um, 
So we've done this rock project. We've put in for planning permission now. And it might be that, you know, you feel a bit kind of afraid, scared, worried by that dream and by the numbers that are attached to it. But you know what? God is good. He's got all the money. He's just given the money to human beings. And we just have this slight challenge of having to help the human beings give it to the right project. So it's going to be okay. Because he's got all the cash to pay for it. It's just, we, you know, we've got, there's a conversation to have. Um, the, but with the planning thing, we've put in for planning. I looked at the planning application comments this morning. There are 41, uh, 41 submissions so far. Uh, three of them are just comments. They're kind of neutral one way or the other. Uh, eight are opposed to the project most ferociously. Uh, they all seem to have come from the same stable. You can go and read them. Uh, and then there are 30 people who have written in support of the project. That is fantastic news. But you know what? It would be really great if before the end of the kind of consultation period, if that was 50 or 100 people. And you know who's going to solve that problem? You. Okay, so what you need to do is go online and make a comment. In support would be great. If you are opposed to the project, do come and talk to me. Uh, or you can do it in, you know, I attend that church. No way are they doing that. Uh, <clears throat> signed, Mr. Angry of Bath. Um, uh, or there's bits of paper if you don't like tech online. Um, do you know the thing about dreams and those big things? If the dream is doable... We don't need God. Because we can do it. And some of this stuff, you know, it's like it's beyond our reach. We need God to come and break in and do his stuff. So let me, um, let's look at this passage from Acts chapter 3. And I'm just going to unpack it uh, real quickly. And then we're going to share bread and wine together and have a bit of time just to reflect and to pray. Uh, Peter and John are doing the ordinary thing that they do. They're going to the temple to pray and they meet a man on the way. You know, extraordinary things happen on the way. This man has been lame from birth. He's carried to the temple gate. This is his livelihood. He's dependent on others. It might be that there's a whole cartel operating in the background, so he only gets a a, a tiny amount of what he collects on the day. We don't know, but he's there every day. Side question. Turn to your neighbor and ask this question. Why did Jesus not heal him? Go on, ask your neighbor. Here's a thought for you. Okay? One of the suggestions this morning was because he didn't ask. Here's the thing. In this passage, he doesn't ask, but he still gets healed. How good is that? I think maybe one of the reasons why Jesus didn't heal him is because he was saving some work for the disciples to do. You know, if he had healed everybody, there'd be nothing for them to do. And he wants to work with us in bringing life and hope and healing to others. He wants to work in co-mission with us. And so the request comes, have you got any cash? Have you got any money? The request comes. He had no idea that another life was possible. If he dreamed of it, 
maybe he didn't allow him to think, think of that too long. His world is limited. His view is limited. Peter and John's response is really interesting. They look at him. I don't know whether you've tried to play the kind of dodgem game down through the Bath city centre with the folks that want to ask you a question, you know, fill in a questionnaire. You know, and, and, and I struggle, you know, internally when they say, uh, have you got a minute? What I want to say is, don't be stupid. It's not going to take a minute. It's going to take about 15 minutes and then you want a direct debit for me and I don't want to play. But of course I don't say that because I live in Bath and it's lovely. Um, so what, you know, you've got a number of options. You can either kind of try the polite approach and no, not today, thank you. I'm very busy going to Lush to buy my bath bomb. Or you can, um, uh, you know, or you can just like eyes focused, ignore them. I'm not even going to be distracted from my pathway. But there are other people that we do it to as well. It's the folks in the doorways on sleeping bags. It's the folks who are asking us for money. It's the folks who are, have got nothing. It's the folks with PTSD. It's the folks that have found themselves in a doorway. Do we see them? Peter and John's response, first response, is to look at him. How many people have walked past him trying to avoid his gaze? But the man doesn't see him, see Peter and John either, because he's asked this question so many times. And so they ask him to look back at them. They see each other. I personally don't give money to the folks that I see on the streets. But I do at least try and make eye contact. And if I can, to stop and talk. Looking, seeing. He still doesn't expect what's coming. It's interesting that this is not the first miracle in Acts. If you look uh, just a couple of verses ahead at chapter 2, verse 43, it already says that there, were, there was wonders and signs. Uh, so all other stuff has already happened. It's just that this is the first documented one. The reason I think that's important is because this is normal. God's normal is to break in to the broken, hurting, wounded places of our lives and bring healing. That is God's normal. They're honest with him. We don't have any cash. But then, he, then Peter says this, but what I do have, I give to you. What I do have, I give to you. And then this amazing thing happens, and, and, I, and this is one of my favorite Bible passages. You, you'll have heard me say that about one or two others as well. Um, he, he, they reach out and help him up, and his, he becomes strong. And he goes into the temple, leaping and dancing and jumping and praising God. Can you all just do me a favor? Stand up for a moment, okay? And I'd just like you to leap. Come on. A bit of leaping. Woo! Come on, a bit more. Okay, That's, I know, no, sit down, because some of you are looking exhausted. He, go, he goes, this is a man who's been on the outside. He's been on the outside forever. And now he's allowed to go in. He can go in. And he leaps and he dances and he praises God. This is a man who's finally on the way. 
And the people's response is amazement. So questions for you as I try and come into land. Are we willing to see the world with the eyes of the kingdom? Are we willing to see things as God the Father sees things? Are we really willing to look? Are we willing sometimes to say no rather than yes? That might sound a bit odd, but it's there in the passage. They ask him for money and they say, nope. It's actually okay sometimes with the expectation, the ask that others have of us as followers of Jesus and us as the church to go, no, what you want, I cannot give you. You know, this was really tough for me in, in Torquay when we were working with uh, folks that were homeless and, uh, and, and addicted because in my heart, I knew that I had to solve all of the problems for all of the men and women sleeping out on the streets. And that's quite a difficult thing to carry. And it wasn't until I realized that actually that wasn't what God was asking me to do that I was able to sleep. You know, sometimes it's okay to say no. Um, David Cameron has just written a book. I haven't read it. Uh, It's only just come out. Uh, But someone else had skimmed through it and uh, found this quote. Um, Actually, it's about uh, two other politicians. He's not being very nice to them. Maybe rightly so. Who knows? I can't possibly comment on any of that. Um, What he does say, though, is this. He says that we live in the truth-twisting age of popularism. And I think he's right. The truth-twisting age of popularism. What are we going to do as a church family in response? You know, one of the things is this, is that in our culture we can no longer shout the gospel from the church tower and expect people to respond. We can no longer scream from that church tower, we've got the truth, let me tell you what the answer is. Because do you know what? The moment we talk like that, no one listens. Because they've got their own version of the truth. I think the thing that we can do is that we can be authentic, real communities of faith. So that when people meet us, we can actually say, what I've got, I want to share with you. I want to invite you on the way to follow Jesus Christ. To discover, to go on this adventure. To join a community of faith. But let's make it personal. And I love to see these communities of faith dotted all over the place. And that's a little bit more what we're going to talk about next week. uh, What that might look like. Um, But let's make it personal just as we come to receive bread and wine and to to write some things down as well and to maybe to receive prayer. What about you? Have you have you forgotten what it was like those first moments when you realized that you were loved? That you realized that you'd been forgiven and included in God's family? You know, maybe what you need to do at the end of this evening is not to go and get prayer ministry. 
but to go home, draw the curtains, put on some really bad 70s music or 50s music or 90s music or whenever you came to faith and turn it up to 11, okay? And dance and leap and rejoice in your lounge until you've remembered what it was like. I mean, I actually genuinely, I'm recommending that some of you do that. I think it might be good for you, okay? You know, go and try it. Seriously. I mean, I, you know, when I, when I came to, when I came to faith, I literally did the sound of music thing, okay, in a field in North Cornwall. And I span through the fields like this. Yeah? Cause I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be Julie Andrews, don't get me wrong. I was just so overwhelmed with the fact that the creator of the entire whole universe cared about me. Remembered. If you've forgotten, remember. If you've stopped seeing the world as God sees it, as God's the Father, then ask Him this evening to open uh, your eyes. If you've lost sight of the kingdom dream, then come and surrender to Him. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to worship and receive bread and wine and um, over here I've, I've just got some simple bits of paper in front of a cross one uh, two little notes one says I choose maybe tonight you, you just want to choose to see again or choose to remember or whatever it, whatever your choice is and the other just says I dream maybe maybe you, you know you've got a dream for your school your class to, to know Jesus for your workplace, come and write the dream down and pop it here just as a way of praying. But this is the, this is the kind of crunch point, the crux of it all. That Jesus died on a cross for us. That his body was broken and his blood was poured out and we, he told us to remember him in bread and wine to remember what he's done but we don't just remember his death we remember his resurrection and we say you're welcome so father we we break this bread to remember what jesus has done for us come and renew your life in us